everyone, and welcome to episode 156 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HamTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Hi, everyone. And top 16 competitor from Bulgaria this past weekend, Gabriel Nassif. Hey, guys. Hey, everyone. So if you didn't know, Gab and I both went to Bulgaria for this past weekend for the Legacy European Tour Championship Finals. A very confusing name, but essentially just a big RPTQ if you're a classic Magic player, where the top 36 players qualified for the Pro Tour. Gab obviously made top 16, meaning 2K, plus uh, qualification for not only Naples, but the Pro Tour in Philadelphia in February. Um, And we're going to be talking a lot of Pioneer this episode, because that was a Pioneer event. We're going to be breaking down some coverage as well for any questions Pat has, and I'll just do like kind of a tournament summary, but this whole episode is focusing on Gab's deck, Gab's two days in the event, and stuff like that. But before we get into all that, as always, this podcast is sponsored by Card Market. If you're going to go to Bulgaria and you needed the new singles on time, you should have been buying from Card Market because they ship fast and reliable singles. Best place in Europe to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. Like I said, singles, deck boxes, sleeves, accessories you can sell on there. You can even buy other things like Pokemon, Digimon, Flesh and Blood, Yu-Gi-Oh, all the other card games. If you need anything cardboard related, go to cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu as they sponsor the cast. And we also want to give a special thank you to any of the patrons that support us to help us be here. If you want to join that crew, make sure to go to patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. And if you're still here listening to the shills, join the podcast discord, get into the discussion, ask us questions, get in there, hang out with everyone else midweek metagame in the community. Now, as I'm trying to get back my breath from all that, Gab, you made top 16. What deck did you play and kind of just start going and we'll ask you questions? Yeah, so I ended up playing blue-white control after testing a lot of blue-black control, testing a few blue-red lists uh, after the new set came out. I was especially interested in Stern Lesson in a Gearhulk Opus Shell, and honestly, it was quite good, but... The problem is, once the new cards came out, the leagues were just a little wild. It was impossible to get paired against Ragdos, Green, or Phoenix. So the deck was okay, and I think Stern Lesson is a solid card, but I didn't get any reps in against any of the top three decks, or you know what I expected to be the top three decks, and what ended up being the top three decks. So I decided not, not to gamble, and Blue-Black just wheels kind of fell off or maybe they were never on in the first place even though i top eight a challenge and i was doing okay in the leagues i still couldn't do well against ragdos phoenix matchup was fine but not amazing same for green and i kind of confused myself playing too many different lists trying too many different things that i got to you know a couple days before having to pick a deck and I didn't even really know. It was kind of all of a blur, you know, the the whole blue-black archetype. Should I play Shredder? Should I not? Narset? No. Like, more traditional deck was maybe Counterspells and Dig and Gearhulk. Or, and you know what? I decided, okay, maybe I should just play Phoenix, but then it was only a few days left. I felt like maybe that was not enough to, to get proficient with the deck. And I just fell back on blue-white control encouraged by Oscar Franco's good past weekend results. He had top eighted, I think, both uh, challenges. So shout out to him. I actually met him in Sofia. He seemed like super nice guy, super chill. 
he uh, he's from Spain, but he lives in Norway right now. He studies studies uh, microbiology, I think, something about biology, and he's up north in uh, in Norway. Just uh, now, it was super nice. We ran into each other, and between rounds, we were discuss- discussing sideboard plans, which was interesting because um, we didn't agree on everything. But yeah, shout out to him. I basically copied his list, which, to be fair, is the stock list people have been playing for a while now. Um, you know, some some portable holes, free wandering emperor, free. I don't know if I should go through the list or not, but well, I mean, I think the the major major difference or the major kind of points of contention. I do play portable hole or temporary lockdown, and Oscar Franco's obviously been doing well with lockdown, and we discussed it a bit on the cast last week. No, he, so, no he's he been playing portable, portable hole. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, rather than lockdown, and we discussed that a little bit on the cast last week. So he decided like- to go that way. Yeah, it seems like lockdown is trending, though. If you look at a lot of the recent lists, they have lockdown. Theo Meri, who came in second, decided to play lockdown. I tried lockdown only for a league or two, and I thought it was okay, but then I kind of, you know, set blue white aside. And when it came down to it, I decided to go with kind of the the sure order, like more, you know, um, vetted version, let's say, that... I've been doing yeah, well for a while, yeah. even though it's possible lockdown's better. I think lockdown's really good against mono white aggro, which is kind of a tough matchup. It's really good against banned spirits, and apparently it's really good against green. I think it's really good against green as well. Yeah, I had very small sample, and against green, it was either died to Baseju or was worse than portable hole. Sometimes it was better. It felt like kind of a wash, you know. Sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it's too slow. Or So, uh, yeah, I decided to stick to Portable Hole. I just changed the mana base a little bit. He was playing for Deserted Beach and I didn't think he needed that many lands. I played actually a list with his exact version, uh, which I trophied just before leaving. So that was kind of nice. But I had uh, issues with having uh, coming to play tapped land on turn one, coming to play tapped land on turn two. and. That's really bad with this deck when you're playing sensor and stuff and you need to cycle chart typhoons and whatnot. So play two pathways to have better chance of playing portable hole on turn one. I used to actually play four pathways, but I think that's maybe a little extreme to get double blue on three, double white on four. So I think I came to a happy medium. One thing I was not too sure about was the main deck. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of decisions but uh you know five minutes before having submit i was still debating whether i should play castle ardenvale because i think that card's pretty weak i think castle vantress the blue one is much much better and i feel like when you have both you'll almost always going to use castle vantress because either you're ahead and you want to push your advantage and you know just cry into shark typhoons to fairy or counter to lock up the game or you're behind and a one one's not really going to save you but I didn't want to cut a white source. I could have split, instead of playing two halls, I could have split a hall and a cave of the Frost Dragon. But actually, the vendors didn't have any, so I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to find one. And I wasn't sure if, you, I wasn't sure if that actually wound up making a deck or not. Yeah, I tried it, and I think it's decent. I like the idea, I've talked about it before, of splitting manlands one and one. This way, if you draw both on turn one, two, you have one of each mana, especially in this deck for something like a Dalvin's Veto, or, you know, late in the game you have both and you have the option. The, the cave is nice to 
to one-shot a Karn. The one-mana cheaper might matter. There's, you know, spirits in the format, some flying creatures, which you might need to block. I think, you know, obviously I wasn't keeping track of how my cards performed, but I think Hall was mostly really good for me this weekend. And uh, I guess I'm, I'm glad I think I played the, the mana base I did, but I think if I had to play the deck somewhere, I would try a split of one hole, one cave, and then maybe two blue castles and no white castle. I saw that in one of your, one of your featured matches against Ben Jones in, in Phoenix. You, you ripped you ripped a Castle Ardenvale in a clutch spot to to block hall of the to block hall actually. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. It was the third game that was featured, and I drew it, and I was like, oh, that's so funny. I, I didn't want to play that card, and it might save me. It ended up not being enough, but yeah, I definitely it definitely you know crossed my mind when that happened. I was like, is Castle Ardenvale actually gonna? Because I was dead on board to a hall, so Castle Ventress would have been too slow. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, it was it was it was a pretty funny moment actually. Yeah, thing is, you need a critical mass of these lands because in this same game, actually, I was a little frustrated because I had drawn nine or ten lands, and I felt like if any of these ten lands was either castle or hall, I would have won. So it really is the difference between winning and losing uh, some games, just having one land that does something. So it's a fine balance between, you know, playing enough basics for your field of runes or you know, maybe your passage, you know, this deck doesn't play passage, having enough basics to turn on Glacial Fortress in your castles, but also enough value lands, not having too many yeah. lands that come into play tapped on turn five, you know. The mana uh, bases when... in this format are really, really difficult to build, except for, you know, obviously, decks like Monogreen or whatnot, but getting the balance right for these two color decks is not not trivial at all. You know, Pioneer is specifically curated to be a format with, you know, quote-unquote bad mana. And so, you know, these kind of, picking which combination of dual lands to and right balance of basics is pretty important because some decks are kind of scrimping on basics like if you think about a deck like abdan greasefang it just has a single swamp in it basically and so it's pretty vulnerable to a card like field of ruin uh you know, some decks you know the fires decks as well they're probably pretty vulnerable so could but they have to go out of their way to have this to make the mana work like these two these three color decks don't have effortless mana like they do in modern yeah, I feel mm. as long as you have one basic, you're kind of okay. It's, I find it just all egregious when... I mean, I used to love it, but when I play against these John Sack decks and they have literally no basics and <laughs> yeah. you just get to strip. And plus with open deck list, it's all trickier to not play basics because at least, you know, if I'm playing online, I'm going to assume open and has one basic, so I'm not going to, like, quote-unquote, time walk myself with Field of Rune trying to get lucky, hoping they didn't put a basic... Well, there was actually this actually came out on coverage at one point in time. So it's it's Thierry Murray is right is Theo Murray. Theo Murray is uh, the the person who came second. They were playing against Abzan Greasefang, and with open decklist, they know that the Greasefang player has only one swamp in the deck, and so they kept a hand that was just like supreme verdict to fairy double field of ruin and stone ran them into into the ground. I think Harry was casting that casting that game actually. But um, yeah, yeah, they basically got the strip mine on turn four, and it, that was that. <laughs> the game was over. That was in the quarters. No, the, no, it, it was, it was Swiss, an absorb. It was, it was not a verdict. It was the hand I was telling you about, Gab. Oh, where I got roasted by Twitch chat because uh, Tew Mary kept five lands absorbed to fairy. Oh, I think it was only fairy. one field of ruin, and he ripped one off the top. Oh, okay. But right. um, 
It was like one field of ruin and Altawara absorb and a Teferi. You can, I'm like pretty sure. But um, yeah, no. And then the Abzan Grease Fang player had like Thoughtseize into Rafine's Informant discarding Parhelion. It didn't have the, um, the green source. Grease Fang. Yeah, didn't have the Grease Fang, didn't have the green source. Then it gave Team Mary time to double field of ruin, Stone Rain, and then the guy never drew land. But something that I wanted to say about T.U. Mary's list is every time that I saw them play, I didn't commentate the finals. Every time I saw them play, Temporary Lockdown did nothing, and the Fateful Absence didn't do great. Specifically against Greasefang, for example, um, there was a game where, they had, I, I assume you board out Portable Hole against Greasefang. Yeah. There was a game where they had Fateful Absence, couldn't Portable Hole the Raffine's Informant. It was rough, and I watched them play against somewhat maybe it was red black mid-range with no lily it was also not great there i just and when well the reason why is i felt like we had you on twice or i commentated you twice i commentated to you mary twice and i saw you portable hole many crucial creatures whereas to you i found (laughs) seeing temporary lockdown and fateful absence in hand and both not really being used so that's something that i thought was really uh telling for myself in that I would prefer Portable Hole from what I saw that weekend because you were the only two players we had on coverage with Blue Light Control on my side of things. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've changed. Would you prefer to play his list? Portable Hole was definitely good for me. I, I didn't, as I said, I, I didn't really keep track, you know, at this point. I'm not trying to like, mm. I'm trying to focus on what matters in the moment, but there's definitely a lot of sequences where you know, I didn't get to play against Green at all the weekend, so I don't know. If, really? No, not a single time. It was the most oh. played decks. I did play Ragdos three times and Phoenix three times, and then I played against nine other different decks. I think I played in 15 rounds. I played against 11 different decks total. Wow. The most, uh, you know, um, one of the huge things was Portable Hole. It lets you go turn free, hole a shadow or... Harvester or Shredder and have two mana up for Dove and Sveto to be able to counter Treasure Cruise or Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Even just have Sensor Mana up or maybe foretell a card sometimes. Cycle a Shark Typhoons for zero. So yeah, Portable Hole was great for me all weekend, but I did not get paired a single time against Mono White Aggro. I did not I did not get paired against Mono Green, which you know I hear it's it's probably a little better than Portable Hole against them because you get Haven, multiple elves, um, even getting awesome Nyssa, you know, it really shuts down Nykthos. So, yeah, and the combo with Absence can be kind of nice. I'm sure it comes up, even though the same is true with Portable Hole. It happens that you just Absence something and you don't have a good target for a Portable Hole, so you just get the clues so then they don't get to draw, draw a card. I, I think that more than just the... Beyond, beyond obviously, oh, Portable Hole versus Temporary Lockdown differences i feel like the biggest difference for tia marie's deck was the faithful absence that's a card that i've kind of begrudgingly come to respect over my time playing blue white i you know it's really it's 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 mana it's card it's card disadvantage obviously on it on its face but that time that it buys you against troublesome permanence is really quite quite valuable especially in these matchups where you're like you know you're you're torn between kind of tapping out to sweep or taking lots of damage and holding up uh holding up interactions so that you don't get burnt by a planeswalker or something like that just having that one or two ways to interact at instant speed to clean up a mess 
it was, it was just pretty much invaluable. And I'm, so you certainly don't feel like you missed a card like that. I'm not sure I did. Yeah, get not, not keeping track of things, pretty, I guess, is the, is the answer to all these questions. Yeah, I did get, I did lose pretty badly to a Grease Fang. It might have been nice to have against Ignis Combo as well. Mm, yeah. That was another deck that kind of like had a really great day one, right? Did it? Did that, that player end up making top eight? No, he he lost a bunch at the end. He started, he 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 qualified for the last chance on Friday. He started nine and zero on day one, and the wheels just fell off for him on day two. Nice. He didn't make it to the Pro Tour, which is cool. He's from Sofia. Oh, he did. That's that's great. Yeah, he was actually in my chat a lot. We played a bunch on Magic Online. We got paired against each other a bunch. And I knew it was going to be tough for me because already when I was playing blue-black was actual instant speed removal, fatal push and whatnot. It was a tough matchup. Mm. It's actually a matchup I've I've played a lot from the blue-white side for some reason. There was a kind of period where I was playing a bunch of leagues with blue-white and that deck has kind of, had just started to kind of have a a kind of like one-week popularity kind of surge. And it's a really challenging matchup. Kind of the key cards that I found for that matchup were just, were red monument if you ever let red monument resolve you're completely dead you can't do anything about it so you just yeah, have that, to yeah, let that one in risen reef too is yeah risen reef and, and and um and monument are just absolute backbreakers like it's almost to the point where collector company's not quite as threatening i mean obviously it represents the chance of a risen reef but it's not like a guaranteed risen reef and it can't be a monument so there's been times that i just let it resolve <laughs> just knowing oh, that i can't yeah. possibly let them let them resolve monument but yeah, it's a very challenging matchup to play, and you know, it was an exciting day. She said, "Do well on so so well on day one." I'm glad the player qualified in the end, though. Pretty hard to miss from that spot, though, right? Yeah, nine and zero, you would have to, because you needed ten four and one. Yeah, and maybe so, there's yeah. a few ten five players who made it. So right. yeah, he basically needed like one or two one win in the first five rounds. Yeah, on <laughs> day two. Yeah. I'm I'm really surprised yeah. that he didn't play as green at all. It's uh, because he didn't play. Why, did, why didn't he play? I'm surprised that he didn't play against green at all. He, oh, he did. Me? Yeah. Oh, you mean Gab? Yes, you, Gab. Yeah, I mean, these yeah, things happen, I, I suppose, know. right? Yeah. I guess I guess green. I I don't think green did very well overall, so there was probably not as much green on day two. No, it's interesting because it was like twenty percent of the meta game on day one and twenty percent of the meta game on day two, and oh, okay. but then just never any, never really kind of seemed like it was winning any matches or you know in the kind of, at the at the top of the leaderboard. That I think we can all safely say that the biggest the winning deck of the of the weekend was Phoenix, though, right? Obviously, it put a bunch of people in the top eight. It won the tournament overall, I believe. Yeah, yep. it, it was in Europe. I was looking at the stats, and I think the made the two best decks. If you look at both both the US and and Europe, were Lotus Field combo and Angels. Really? That had, yeah, Lotus Field had the best win rate, both in or close. But it was you know a small sample. Um, but yeah, there was it. There was. Uh, um, there was eight Lotus Field players, I think, in the U.S., which is very... Oh, no, 16 in the U.S. was for 58% win rate. And in in Europe, it was the same as not too many, but they had, like, it was 55, 56% win rate. And 
it's 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 not clear though because like in Europe, blue light control had a sub fifty percent win rate, but it had you know fifty two and a half in the U.S. Phoenix did really well in Europe, but it was only like slightly over fifty percent in in the U.S. Green did poorly in both, like sub fifty and in both. Ragdos range I think was maybe sub fifty in in both, but a little better than green. So it, it it's not super clear like what white we needed pretty good in the u.s but the slightly losing win rate in, in europe um so i guess the the, the yeah the, the big winners were lotus field and angels i guess if i had to to pick okay. two right <laughs> i, I just i, I was just imp- yeah. impressed with the pioneer format in general it was good to watch on coverage and it seemed like i was kind of watching at least a good variety of decks every round. There was a lot of, you know, a fair bit of Phoenix going on, especially as it got to the end of the end of the tournament. But uh, it, was, it was just really nice to have a weekend of watching Magic coverage all over again. And, you know, I just want to say, you know, shout-outs to Harry, obviously, for doing a great job. And so, and also the rest of the people that were casting with you. I thought that Philippa was really, really good. She was excellent, mm. excellent um, kind of foil to you in... In, in the booth and you know will and matei matei zalakai did a really good job as well so sophia coverage went really well and i watched a bit of uh a bit of the dream hack stuff but not not nearly as much so what was it like from your own harry kind of just getting to watch this all unfold yeah i mean the whole weekend felt very well planned out from the back end from what i saw i would say i'm relatively friendly with every manager like I seem to see what the real side of Legacy is, and it looked like they were all on point. Mm. Um, and I spoke with people and asked about the events. People seem to enjoy this one on both a casual and competitive level. I had people from side events come and say hi. People from the main events say hi. All seem to not, you know, be hating things. Coverage, though, was honestly, I thought that this was the best one because it had the most upgrades. I would say because basically Legacy, the way the managing team portrays it to me is that no matter what from the previous event, they want to improve something, even if it's the smallest thing. And this coverage, we had headphones. All the other ones, we had microphones, which was really awkward because they had to rebalance the volume every time you sat down because everyone's different heights, right? Whereas this one was headphones, which changed the game because those don't know, but you you hear yourself in one ear and hear the other person in the other and it sounds disorientating at first but it really helps you sync up when you speak with people so when philippa wanted to say something or i wanted to interrupt philippa or she wanted to interrupt me you'd hear it and slow down your speech whereas before it was really awkward because you're sitting next to them looking at the screen and speaking away from them so I thought it was actually the, the most insane improvement was something probably people didn't notice is that those headphones changed everything, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and that was uh, they basically those who don't know Legacy don't run the live stream. They hire people to run the live stream. And it's a Italian company called Foxhound Factory. And what these people do is they uh, they bring their equipment to the Legacy event and then they host it on Legacy's channel. And obviously Legacy are in and out trying to help out with things. But because the managing team are so busy with the side events and uh, the social media, right. they don't really affect anything. So, it's all, so all I think the mo- that's really, that, that's, that's, that's really yeah. wise, I think. And honestly, the, the coverage here, like, so I've watched a little bit of the kind of 
these kind of monthly tour events that had gone on that you've been that you've been doing coverage for every now and then. And you know, it was good to see live magic. But I, I think you're right. Like as as kind of time went forward, like things have gotten a little bit better. And this one honestly just looked like a GP and felt like a GP in terms mm-hmm. of the quality of coverage. And so yeah, and really, I was just really impressed. Something that people actually didn't notice is that every event I've casted before, there have been blackouts. Like the screen would black out. No blackouts the whole stream for me. There was one the 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 in the hall's internet was so bad. I don't know. The stream only went down once, but we basically had an iPad in front of us and we had the MTG Melee decklist on it. And sometimes mid round you just couldn't like the decklist would just the page would refresh and you couldn't get the decklist up, so it'd be so awkward, especially with uh, Dimitar's deck with the fucking Gruel Ignis and the decklist doesn't load and you just have to guess the cards. It was like <laughs> it's it's really bad. Yeah. But apart from that, everything to me was smooth. The what's even crazier is Foxhound Factory. They have people photoshopping things in real time. When things change, they Photoshop. Like for example, the top eight. They had or the top four. They had the four photographs, and they would black out when, or they would go gray when the player was eliminated, and they have the move and everything. That that was real time Photoshop. They're literally sitting there throughout the whole round, making sure that they're going to grayscale the person who's eliminated. Everything is so well thought out. And what I found even crazier, actually, is the to gray out the person and have the four people there. That was. That was made on the spot. That's why it was only for the semis. Because during the quarterfinals, the Foxhound Factory company thought, wouldn't it be so cool to have the players' photographs on the screen? So they went and got them from the legacy managers, came back in the quarters to make it for the semis. Right. Stuff like that. It's so little. Like, you don't even realize it. You think that's planned? Nah. The, this company's good. It's really cool. good. That's great. And so what about the vibe of the tournament overall, Gav? Like, this is obviously the first big event since since COVID and um was it was it good to get out there and kind of in the tournament hall and shuffle paper cards and just you know meet meet people i guess there was been a pretty large like number of people who'd never been to a big event before who kind of came into magic just before covid or you know you know around the inception of arena or whatnot and you know kind of got deep into it over the last couple of years who were having the first chance to come out and meet people and kind of get involved so good vibe on the tournament floor yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it was great for me. I had a lot of people come and say hi, take pictures, sign cards, play mats. It was really cool. It seemed like people were excited to be there. And the tournament felt like, you know, something between a Grand Prix and a Pro Tour, maybe. Um, it felt, yeah, it was, I don't know. I was, I was, I was wondering how I'd do because I hadn't played live in, well, I'd also not played nine rounds in one day in ever, basically, because Pro Tours are eight rounds and GP Day ones I have I used to have by. So basically, I would have to nine rounds would be six rounds of a GP Day two plus three rounds of top eight. That's the last time I played nine rounds for all these when I made it to the finals of a GP. But no, we get okay. it. We made it to the finals of a GP. We get it. <laughs> Yeah, as as worried because I knew I was gonna, probably gonna play long rounds, but I I got good sleep thanks to Harry. He he let me he, he let me sleep on the bed. It was like kind of a, a, a big bed, you know, not king, maybe like double bed or whatever. But he just took the couch. So thanks to Harry, I got I got good sleep. That's huge. I, you huge know, friendship moment right there. Yeah, I made sure. I stayed hydrated. I had my bag of trail mix for the day, you know, kind of 
decent sized bag, so I just snack every round or every other round. No, no, no big meals, no lunch. I just you know breakfast and and dinner after a tournament. But so I think that worked for me. I did still make some mistakes, you know, and didn't didn't play perfect the whole way through. But I Imagine was it's tiring. Yeah, I was pretty happy with with my performance overall. Um, I uh, I'm glad I picked blue white. Definitely knowing your decks just so important, especially when you're playing this many rounds. You save so much brain power, not having to think about every little decision. And yeah, I think if you know, definitely if you're playing a a, a big tournament with many rounds and you're hesitating between two decks, you you should pick the one you're more comfortable with on, on, unless you feel like the other decks like much much better but mm. yeah um. i felt like when i was walking around the tables it seems to me that green is the most consistent deck that's why it was 20 percent of day two but it seemed like almost all the x3s were green players and all my friends who played um the people, like, close friends that I were following, that I was following, two were on green. They both, one, O'Ford, Sergio Jimenez. Uh, you had to name them, with green. Hmm? You had to name them, they O'Ford? Oh. Yeah, well, it's only because he top it, he top four the last uh, legacy yeah. event. So you're trying but to name I was just giving him. them both shouts, they're my friends, and Wyatt Wyden, I think he, he, he went, he lost his win in it at five and four. So... Th- things like that. But what what I found interesting, actually, was Pete Ward, British player, made top eight of the um, the Sunday PTQ. And he qualified for Naples because all eight players qualified. And he played four layer of the Hydra. He played 22 lands, added two layers of spells. Mm-hmm. And he said it was like such a g- good game play. And I've never seen it before in green. Yeah, I'm, Lair of the Hydra is one of the scariest cards for the control deck out, yeah. out, out of green. Because, you know, you, you can spend all that time kind of maneuvering around, taking a bit of damage here and there to kind of keep keep shields up and stuff like that. And then, you know, especially from the blue-white side, so much of the interaction is sorcery speed that you just have very few outs to to a card like yeah. Lair that, you know, you got to preserve your preserve your field of runes for the tier two Lair, Lair of the Hydra. But if they got four, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, but I think the roughest thing is that all of my friends in the main event with green did terrible, and all of my friends in the uh, la- uh, the PTQ did decent. Was the- I don't know if the PTQ was open deckless or not, but I was thinking that it's quite rough actually playing green in the main event because your opponent instantly knows that they probably should have some sort of hand that disrupts a turn one elf or a turn three troll or Kiora, something like this. I think that must be the roughest part for green. Um, because a lot of the game ones, you know, you play your elf and the, is it Phoenix player cast an opt something like this. So yeah, but overall, I think that it was funny. I basically said it to, in the semifinals, I was like, everyone in Twitch chat's been complaining all day to Ben Green. Maybe we were actually meant to ban Phoenix and the amount of people like, yeah, actually look at the top eight. So much Phoenix need to ban it. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. In actuality, I think the format's quite good. And I, I genuinely, what I'm segmenting into, I genuinely loved the open deck list. It made coverage so much easier. And I felt like the games were, like, they just seemed way more enjoyable because everyone, I didn't see 
many non-games. The actual only non-game I saw on camera was that Grease Fang deck we described, Blue Light Control versus Grease Fang. I don't believe I saw any other obvious non-game, which I thought was great. I, 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 that's actually a first for me on the coverage team. Yeah, did open deck list come up a bunch for you, Gab? Like, you're making a lot of decisions with your opening hands based on that? I didn't have to mulligan too many hands. I did adjust my sideboarding a decent bit, depending on Darylis and their sideboard. One of the biggest ones was playing against Ragdos. I, uh, I did something I'd never done online before. I just brought in all my my two angels my lara my baneslayer and my dream trawler and boarded out no lily boarded out all my sweepers and just kept in spot removal because the the stock list only has three dread boars to deal with these permanents Mm. they don't have lidiana they don't have noxious grasp they don't have invoke despair and yeah i think it, it didn't especially come up. I mean, I, I did, you know, I, I'm not even sure I've ever cast a five-man angels in these games or the games where we played out this way, but I thought it made a ton of sense. And then the one player had two Lidiana in the main and two Noxious Grass in the sideboard. And against him, I didn't even bring in Dream Trawler, even though it was kind of a card for this matchup. So that came up same against the Phoenix players. I, I adjusted slightly my sideboarding depending on um what what they had so definitely for for sideboarding it came up a decent bit for game ones i'm i'm not too sure you know maybe against mark tobia she was playing his combo deck i, I mulliganed a, a hand i might have kept in not you know in, in the dark but it didn't do me any good it wasn't enough hmm. um yeah mark tobias's deck was uh pretty wild this is the is it Storm's Herald is the name of the card? And then mm-hmm. Classification plus... Burning Anger. Burning Anger, that's the name of it. Yeah, so you're trying to fireball them for 23 or something. Yeah, you self-mail the enchantments, you place Storm's Herald, bring back Classification and Burning Anger, and with the trigger on the stack, you, you tap the creature to deal 20-plus uh, damage. Uh, I guess, yeah... You, I guess you can go check out the list and look up the cards. Yeah, you'll have to go. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll have to get the Oracle text on all of those cards. Nah, he, he ended up qualifying for the Pro Tour, but okay. I think he was expecting even better. He started off 8 1. He had kind of a rough start. He actually played at 0 2 on, on day two. We were both 0 2, and I beat him, but he, he managed to rally, I guess, win the next two. And he, he, he claims, and I have no reasons to doubt it, is that he dropped. 15 leagues at 4-0 to not has, have his deck list published to keep wow. it secret. Yeah. yeah, his deck actually doesn't even have new cards from the latest set. It's just he's had it for a while, just tuning it, testing it, dropping a bunch of leagues. and Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, because he hasn't been streaming lately, so he must have been in the lab you know, just, just working on something. Yeah, so I don't know for people who have... Pioneer turns coming up or their RCs coming up, I would definitely, if they have time and resources, try and Tobias deck. Also, that, that blue black deck, I played a, a league and a half with it today that won the Saturday challenge. Oh, yeah, we should blue talk about black that was a little bit. Demonic Bargain and Thassa's Oracle. It's kind of like Inverter, or maybe it feels a little bit like 
Lotus Field in some ways, because it's kind of hard to interact with. You're self-milling yourself and killing people with stats as Oracle. That deck seemed pretty good. Yeah. Um, Lots of space in Pioneer, I think. That's... Yeah. I really... I feel like I've walked away from the weekend. Or well, one of the biggest winners of the weekend was the format overall, I think. I mean, people on Twitter are kind of ready to complain about almost anything, but I don't think anyone can really kind of get up in arms about anyone, anything being particularly egregious. I think the, the biggest complaint people have at the moment is that, oh, it's really play draw dependent, but I mean, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Magic's play draw dependent at the moment. Yeah, people... I, I don't even for... feel like that's true. Pardon? I don't watching fifteen rounds. I d, or even more because I did both semis. I don't even think that's true. That's true. The that if you win if you win the die roll, you're super favorite. I felt like it was more dependent on uh, does the Phoenix player have the removal spell if it's the removal matchup or do they have the pieces treasures draw treasure crews draw. I felt like blue white control specifically. You want to. Uh, trade in a lot of matchups and make sure you top deck a card advantage spell like i did i never felt like i during my running commentary of the whole weekend it turned more into these decks game plans revolve around these four specific cards on turn three and four i i, I did not feel like it was player draw that's why i was so surprised by everyone saying player draw i thought it was more almost uh game plan dependent the person who executes their true decks game plan would win the game. I felt like a lot of games were more repetitive than, let's say, the modern format. I don't know. Just my coverage view. Did you, did you feel play draw dependent, Gab? I didn't. <laughs> Once again, I didn't really keep track. I was trying to focus on what I could control. and Yeah. Uh, I maybe? I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, format seems healthy, says this person who you know just did well at the tournament. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, also blue eyes probably less less impacted by play and draw, you have portable hole, you have cheap interaction, etc. Mm. So it's it's hard to say, but yeah, I really enjoyed my tournament. I had tons of fun, I had tons of crazy games. I had a game where I needed to dodge an untapped land to not die to hull after the temporal trespass, and I did. I had one of the craziest matches I've ever played against Andre Strosky where Game one, I considered scooping because I thought there was no way he was going to not kill me. And he ended up playing around, you know, a little safe around something I could have had. And it bought me a turn and I ripped a farewell. And then I drew an extra card because I was so excited. I had a, an absorb. I had just found my absorb to lock up the game and added to fairy. So I like basically what happened is I scribed absorb to the top with Castle of Antris in, in my upkeep. And I went like, kind of draw it and then I said draw step and then I said Teferi and um, Andre normally the fix is like he gets to duress me or a card at random and he just told the judge can he can he at least keep the card that he's cried to the top that we know for sure was not the extra draw you know and then in game three we're probably gonna draw and he realized he had cast an Omnath without green mana and he decided to just scoop the match. You know, he, I guess he, he, <laughs> that is incredible. he felt it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I was... Because yeah. I was I watching mean, that. I was watching that match, at least that game, with with the sound off at that point in time. And it was looked like, yeah, you were interns and, you know, you'd kind of, you were trying to just kill him with Hall and it was looking pretty dire because he was just starting to cast spells or whatever and kind of get ahead. And I, but he was never going to kill you. So I just assumed it was a draw and I had to go and do something. And I came back and like, 
you know, you'd won that match. I just couldn't quite figure out how it possibly happened. And then he told me that, you know, he just kind of packed it up, you know, for kind of correcting yeah. some mistakes he'd made, which is kind of, you know, excellent sportsmanship and not entirely necessary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's at this point, it was too late. I think people watching caught it, but by the time, and that happens all the time, which oh, kind of yeah. sucks, but I'm not sure there's 50, you know, like people from coverage team or people watching at home will catch something, but then it's it's kind of too late to fix. Friend, friend of mine, friend of mine qualified for Australian nationals, like in one of the last chance qualifiers. I remember this is when I was like eighteen or something like that. He's kind of he's like, "Hey, I qualified." I was like, "Hey, what? Happened? Congratulations!" He's like, "It was the most ridiculous thing. I tried to cast this spell with no, with only like six mana by accident, and then like it just took two turns to before us we realized that it was a problem. And then the judge was like, "We can't do anything about it." And I just beat him to death with it. <laughs> just okay, all right." This is what happens in this game, I guess. Yeah, I played tons of great games against Phoenix, including against Ben Jones in the future. Yeah, that was a really that was a really tense match. Yeah, yeah, I had a of, of great games. I have a f- I had a few non games. You know, I had some opponents just missed their third land drop. Um, I got kind of crushed by Grease Fang. Not much, just kind of perfect hands, and. You know, I do play, you know, blue-eyed control is peak interaction and kind of 50-50 across the board. So, and it's also really a deck I really like playing. So it makes sense that I have a lot of interest game games and back and forth and whatnot. And, um, you know, obviously if you're playing mono green, it might not be that way or... Um, but yeah, at least I feel like there's decent... You know, if you don't want to be totally play draw dependent, if you feel that's a format, there's there's some decks out there that mm. care a bit less about it. So 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 where to from here? I guess um, you're qualified for the PT, and you're qualified yeah. for the next regional championships as well. So you're kind well, of yeah. You're, you're, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I was already qualified for all the regional championships this year because of MPL. Oh right, the MPL rollover, right? Okay. But the huge, huge thing is, I personally have a Hall of Fame invite a year, and doing well in Sofia means I don't have to burn my Hall of Fame invite of the first PT in Philly. So it basically means I get to play the first two PTs, and if I just go nine seven in one of them, I get to play the third one. So that's that's really nice. It was right. my goal going to Sofia to try and top forty six to get that peak invite. Yeah. Obviously, you never know how you're gonna do. You know, you could just have bad luck, bad day. So it's not like I had expectations necessarily, but I was like, I'll be happy if I top forty six, and I was. Obviously, once I started eight one, I was hoping for top eight. I actually forgot you could qualify straight to worlds if you top two. Um, but. Yeah, I had I had I had a great time. We had some great dinners with the Spanish mm. people, the Spanish players from Barcelona. Shout out to them. They uh, lent me the cars for the deck. I got to hang out with Rosie Hoser all weekend from the UK. Dan Rose, um, that that was cool, and he lent me a bunch of cards too. Saturday we went to dinner with Harry and and Rafael Levy. That's mm. that's nice. Harry got to practice his Mandarin, his Chinese. <laughs> that's, that's cool and then on sunday i think easily say best biz, best dinner of the weekend was the greek Ooh, with yeah. makis uh who he he came in 64th he you know he was doing well too we actually played uh he, he's my good friend and 
it, it sucks you have to beat him, but you know, obviously you take your Someone's wins. Someone's gonna do it. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see him, and he, he, you know, main cash. It's, it's not that bad, I guess. Nice. I'm sure he was hoping yeah. for more after doing well, but starting. So to what was well, what but... was the best meal? So the Greek was the best food. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. The, the the food was very good, and just uh, hanging out, and we had some drinks and. Great. Just fun stories and stuff. I got to I got to like re recycle my old school, you know, stories about mostly cheating, I guess. <laughs> Dude, not not it was me, like just the most perfect people. dinner. Like, yeah. Just wild wild west stories. Yeah, I saw yeah. the Fantastic. Yeah. So would you, no, would you say that the gathering was is back? Yeah, definitely. I, I I was saying to the guy was making fun of me, but I said all, to all of them, you know, we only I only met you tonight, but it feels like we've been friends for years because we literally there was hardly any silence, laughing, joking. They did Greek traditions with us yes, in the UK, at least. To my friends, it's not common to like everyone share large platters of food. Oh, so they ordered six hundred. A Bulgarian currencies worth of food, and we shared it all. It was yeah. brilliant. Oh man, that's insane. Between communal, communal meals are the best. It's one yeah. thing Australia is really good at. We got a huge kind of like Greek and Middle Eastern population, at least in some of the big cities. And so yeah, that kind of communal eating and eating big big meals of kind of like grilled grilled meat and sides and yeah, flatbread yeah. and dips. Oh man, yeah, it's I definitely not a UK is... thing though. It is it is Monday night and I still don't feel sick. Did I did I somehow <laughs> dodge the RC plague slash COVID? Yeah, yeah wow. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'll let you know in a few days. <laughs> you know, I didn't dodge. I have a, I have a little sub story. So I I actually forgot to tell anyone. But last night when I got back to the UK, not only were the trains striking back to my town, but also the coaches. Um, so the only way to get back to my town was in a taxi. Oh, man. And obviously because it's funny, obviously because the, the the there were two buses left of the night at 10 and 11 and I was there at 10 and the one at 10 was canceled and the airport security was like last night both striked. So tonight they're probably striking again and the hotline for the bus company closes at 6 p.m. So you couldn't call them. They close from 6 but they end at 11 didn't make sense whatever so we go to the taxi bay me and three other strangers and um they were all, all three of them were not from the uk so i obviously spoke to the taxi driver and uh there was only one taxi driver there i said hi how much is it to renting uh to my town station and he goes 130 to 120 pounds and as i'm about to negotiate i'm like oh can you do one of the ladies I'm with starts screaming at him like, "What? What?" She's sort of like, "Shut!" Everyone, like everyone goes silent, and the taxi driver just gets in the taxi and drives away. So the one taxi in the airport, this random lady pissed him off, and he drove away. He was like laughing. He was like, "I know about the train strikes. I'm the only thing you got," and he just drove away. I was like, "Oh shit!" So luckily, we managed to call the taxi company in my town and they we had to wait an hour for them to drive to the airport and then drive yeah. us back yeah the uk is definitely crumbling society in the uk is definitely crumbling at the moment well what, what i found even hilarious is obviously i spoke to her while we're waiting for the hour thing she's like oh yeah uh, i'm i'm from greece i was like <gasps> no 
You just let my keys down. That's what I was thinking. There's nothing I've learned about so, Greeks is they love yelling at people as well. <laughs> yeah, it made sense. I was like, no, 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 calm down. I'm sorry, we've just had our bus cancelled, but the guy just, he, yeah. he, he was gone. So, but yeah, we, we got there in the end. Oh, it wouldn't be a magic trip if there wasn't some awful thing on the way back where you're just like, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can this, yeah. Can this weekend end, please, for the love of God? It was fantastic. I was actually but... quite lucky because one person in the taxi was coming from china to go to university so i just spoke mandarin oh, with, yeah. with them yeah just randomly so many people i guess mandarin is one of the most popular languages on the earth but yeah no i got to practice a lot this weekend but overall the event to be honest was out of all the events i've been to with legacy this one was the most communal because it was more professional players everyone cut everyone knew each other more yeah and shout to all the fans as well Said hi about midweek metagame, hi about content, whatever. It it was honestly, it was honestly a pleasure. Would you make any changes to that event, Gab? Would I make any changes to the event? Now it was really well ran. We're really lucky in Europe. You have great judges. It was nice to see that a lot of them are still around. Definitely mm. lucky to have them tournament ran really smoothly we were done by like what eight both day or on day one we we're done by by eight those i didn't feel like those huge delays in between any of the rounds um you know i heard the side events are still a little you know the the prizes are still definitely on the lower side so yeah i'm not sure what the fix is uh, you know, I feel like as long as Wizards Me doesn't step in and, and helps them out a bit, I'm not sure how it's supposed to get really much better. I don't know, but in the US, it felt like I didn't see too many people complain, even though they cut a bunch of rounds and I heard there was very few judges. But it seems like people uh, in, enjoy the event, maybe just mostly the gathering. Um, I'm not sure as far as I don't know sure how well the, the turn was ran. So, yeah, and I guess back to Blue White, a lot of people are asking, you know, temporary lockdown or portable hole. I don't have a good answer. I just know I was happy with my list. I felt like the mix of removal, interaction, expensive spells, etc., was close to spot on. Uh, I, I would change very few cards in, in the main or the sideboards. Um, yeah, just... Pretty happy. I think the one card I never brought in was Hallbreaker Horror, but I didn't get paired against Lotus Field. I didn't play the Mirror. I didn't play, I don't know, weird, slow, expensive decks. So uh, a lot of people seem to think Starnheim Unleashed was my MVP. I guess I got, I played it a bit in the future match against Fragus and stuff. Mm -hmm. That card was, it was actually the, the last card I, I was able to, I was like struggling. None of the dealers had Starnheim Unleashed for some reason. Even though it's played by no one and it's a mythic, so uh, yeah, shout out to all the people who who lend me the cards. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm out of content. I actually haven't played much Magic since last episode. Pat, you got any questions? No, I said there was one thing I wanted wanted to ask. We kind of coming out of this weekend, or actually, no, sorry, going going into this weekend, we were kind of leaving the kind of reserving judgment i guess on how we felt about this new kind of pt structure and the kind of you know return to kind of 
organized play and competitive play in paper. Uh, would you say that this weekend overall was enough of a success to say that this new system's something something that's gonna gonna work out? Yeah, I think that's what people were saying. Like, I mean, people showed up. Great. Almost everyone who was qualified showed up. I mean, I must assume there was four hundred over four hundred players in Europe, almost a thousand in the US, a couple hundred in Brazil. Mm-hmm. They probably need to adjust um, slots because Europe got almost twice as many uh, proportionally than the U.S. and Brazil. So, but I mean, it's it's the first one, and there's going to hopefully be some adjustments and stuff. But I guess so many people showing up does that. I don't know. If, I mean, I guess and that's a good metric, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the just vibe check was the metric that I was going for. Did it feel like? A tournament that meant something and i think the, you know the combination of the coverage and the stakes certainly from my position on the couch made it feel like felt like it was something worth that i should be watching and paying attention to and you know if my life circumstances were different then i would probably be aspiring to you know qualify via these routes and that's essentially the goal of the of organized but well what what i'd kind of benchmark as my goal for organized play so mm. yeah, I, I I was happy with it all, and you know, pretty excited for the future of tournament magic. I think. Yeah, yeah. I d- I definitely felt like the stake was at the right level. Right, you get to day two is a stake. Uh, like it was tense for people, and then on day two it was still tense because thirty six players of the sixty four qualify for the PT, and then still the top eight is tense because not only do, do the pay jumps actually matter. But the, the world's invite, I like that every stage of the tournament you made to, all the players still felt like they really had to win. Yeah. And I thought that it was a lot different to other events where I feel like people play to split, play to ID, yeah, those whatnot. Two, those two final world's births in the finals mm. is a good touch, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And No, it feels like, you know, people, people care. I'm not sure. I think maybe it's just... The fact that there's more people who care, more people who are qualified, more people who have a shot, as opposed to the MPL where the sure the stakes were really high, but if there's not, if you don't feel like people, other people care, then it's not like as special. I don't know how to ex- explain really, but you know, I, I, it felt like at some point during the MPL, even the players didn't care or just because everyone was so down about the structure and you know and if if the players who compete in the tournament if it feels like they don't care if you don't see them then it was like a little harder to get to to i don't know get excited on social media and share your thoughts and this because if you know that you know a bunch of people maybe just resend the system and that and Mm -hmm. they're you know excluded and then you don't care as much or but yeah i don't know i'm kind of rambling but i hope people kind of can figure out what i'm trying to say (laughs) yeah i I understand what you're trying to say and i think i think overall we're we're all voting in favor of yes this was a success and you know if it continues in this trajectory then things are looking positive great i don't have any more content other than that congratulations gab this is your this is your flagship finish really of your career at this point yeah (laughs) Mm-hmm. and well no, well done on coverage harry thank you yeah. appreciate it 
I've got a good life on the line card. Ooh. All right. Oh, not life on the line, but Price is Right. Sorry. Um, I was thinking either Storm Herald or Classification. Well, classification has There's to be like, pennies. Yeah, I mean, they both have to be pennies. Yeah, but how many pennies? Are you, sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm happy to do a different card if you think it's too going to be too low. But I think Storm Herald to me is the is a card that most podcast listeners would be interested in buying. Right, okay, after this okay, episode, right? I, I'm willing to go with Storm Herald. I think it's probably right. got a little bit more legs than I'm willing to than my my first guess. All right, I'm done. I'm good for it. Okay, price in three, two, one, two one. euro fifty. Thirty cents. Okay. Storm Herald on CardMarket.com. Past week though, because it might have spiked in the past day or two. Is it not Herald? Oh yeah, it is. Okay. Storm Herald on CardMarket.com. <laughs> in the past seven days, averages at twenty cents. Ah, Boom! Wow. Finally. <laughs> you knew. Gav winning that. How did oh, you it's guys, interesting. Dude, it's like a shitty rare from a recent set. How can it be expensive Who unless it's knows? okay? <laughs> To give some credit, it was four cents before this weekend. Yeah. Give some credit where credit's due. Mark Tobayash, market, X5ing market the value of this card. Yeah. It's a classic Tobayash pump and dump, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like he always 4 0 dropped before every event with his brew. Colossification, seven day average is 30 cents. Wow, Colossification's worth more. What the hell? It's plus 20 plus 20, dude. Yeah, exactly. Timmy. <laughs> I wonder, maybe that goes in some EDH deck or something. Who knows? But yeah, and we could do Life on the Line if you'd like. It seems somewhat pointless, but... Really? Okay, next, Life on the Line, Theoretical Tournament. Yeah, theoretical like, Pioneer Tournament like tomorrow. Minutes. Win you live, lose you die. What are you bringing, Pat? I don't know. <laughs> uh, probably play Blue Red Phoenix. Okay. No, nah, I'm actually going to bring Pete. Okay, I'm going to bring... Uh, P- Pete Ward's f- four layers green. What about you, Gab? Damn. Uh, probably blue white control. Maybe one of the the crazy combo decks, either Tobias or the the Oracle deck. But uh, yeah, I I I uh, trust. I'd, I'd go with blue white control again. Awesome. And where can we find you on the internet, Gab? Twitch TV slash Yellow Hat. You can find me YouTube Harry MTG. Should be having a vintage Hogak league up tomorrow, and I have this sick turn one uh, triple hollow one, hollow one game in it. What about you, Pat? Uh, you can find me anywhere on the internet at Get Smart. But I also want to point out this is episode one fifty six. That's exactly three years worth of episodes. Ooh, true. So, well, congratulations to us. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't feel like three years, I can't lie. Several decades of my life have passed. years. <laughs> yeah, it's always been like this every week. Yeah. But yeah, awesome. If you made it this far into the episode, thank you so much. We'll be back for three years and one week next week. Later, everyone. Take, yeah, take care.